0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Washington Watch. Coming up. Pushing to report the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett to be
1: an associate justice of the Supreme Court of the United States. The clerk will call the roll.
0: That was chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, calling for the committee to vote on Judge Amy Coney Barrett this morning. She was approved, but something was missing. Every single Democratic member of the committee, where did they go? Well, I'll ask Senator Graham if he found them when he joins us in just a moment. And it's been widely reported that Pope Francis has called for homosexual civil unions to be legally recognized, something that is contrary to both the teaching of the Catholic Church and, more importantly, Scripture. Are the reports true? Can the Pope alter church teaching? We'll talk about it with Michael Warren Davis, editor of the Catholic publication Crisis Magazine. Now, one of the many byproducts of Freedom Sunday was the 1025 initiative called to reopen churches on 1025, October 25th. That's this Sunday. In keeping with Hebrews 1025, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Pastor Jack Hibbs is here with an update on that initiative. Speaking of churches, a religious institution in Colorado that was issued a cease and desist order after General Boykin and I spoke there back in July, won a victory in federal court. Matt Staver, founder and chairman of Liberty Council, who is representing the ministry, joins us with the details. And he'll set the record straight. It was what the general said, not me. And finally, rack up another pro-life accomplishment for the Trump administration. Travis Weber, Senior Vice President of Policy here at the Family Research Council, joins me to explain. All right. As we mentioned this morning, the Senate Judiciary Committee, after last week's hearing, approved 12 to 0 Amy Coney Barrett uh, and her nomination to be advanced to the Senate floor, where she will then be confirmed and will be seated on the United States Supreme Court. Joining me now is the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee that shepherded this nomination through and held the vote today. Senator Graham, welcome back to Washington Watch.
1: Well, thank you, Tony. It's a big day for a conservative cause. Uh, Amy's uh, out of the committee, going to the floor and be on the court next week.
0: And, and I want to talk about the process from here. But first, I, 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 I'm at the risk of being canceled like uh, Dianne Feinstein, I want to commend <laughs> you for doing such a great job. Um, I'm in, in serious, very serious in, in saying this, that I thought last week it moved through so smoothly. Now, granted, there were some theatrics that were going yeah. on, but I thought you handled it very well, kept the order in the committee. And the, as a result, the nation got to see a stellar, a stellar nominee in Judge Amy Coney Barrett.
1: Well, thank you. Uh, number one, I want to thank my Democratic colleagues for not turning it into a circus. The judge was challenged, but she uh, passed with flying colors. Uh, The Republicans on the committee were greatly disciplined. Our two women, uh, Senator Blackburn and Joni Ernst from Iowa, did a great job explaining what it's like to be a conservative woman in modern America. But the judge Barrett shined. My goal was to make it about her, not about any of us, to give her a chance to demonstrate her capabilities in the law, uh, her judicial disposition and temperament and the well-rounded life she has led. And I think in that regard, the mission was accomplished. And the hearings uh, were instructive. There's a reason that a majority of Americans approve of her going on the court, because she's exactly where she needs to be. She's lived an incredibly good life, consequential life. And uh, she's going to be on the Supreme Court next week. And I'm proud of our committee.
0: Uh, speaking of the committee, uh, there were no Democratic members today. Have, have you found them? Do you know where they went?
1: Well, They went to do a news conference, and it was their protest, I suppose, of boycotting. But here's what we did accomplish. We allowed the country for two days to learn about Amy Barrett, Judge Barrett's qualifications to be on the court, about her judicial philosophy. The Democrats showed up to ask her hard questions, and I was disappointed they wouldn't show up to give her a vote. I think Judge Barrett deserved a vote, up or down. They chose to boycott the hearing. I chose as chairman to make sure that she would get out of committee. As chairman, I have the ability with a majority vote uh, to make sure that she moves forward. They intentionally uh, uh, aborted giving me the corn that you normally need, and it required me to act. And I was uh, insistent upon Judge Barrett getting out of the committee. She has earned the right to be on the floor of the United States Senate, given the way she performed. And to my Democratic colleagues, I appreciate not turning the hearing into a circus. Uh, I was very disappointed you didn't show up. I think uh, the judge, you owed that to the judge. But uh, that's behind us now. We'll take up the nomination over the weekend. And by Monday or Tuesday of next week, she will be uh, confirmed uh, to the Supreme Court.
0: Just so the record is uh, very straight here on the actions taken by the committee today, you did not set precedent and and you were operating clearly within the the, the, the rules of the committee to do what you did.
1: Yeah, so we, we gave her – we gave the Democrats four days of hearings like we've done with every nominee since I've been around, uh, 16 days from the nomination uh, by the president to the hearing is half the people on the court were processed within 16 days, two full days of questions. Uh, she handled it extremely well, so the vetting process worked. Here's why I think it's important to have these hearings. I didn't think any Democrat would vote for her because – Look what happened to Diane Feinstein. She gave me a hug, a human act of kindness. She didn't agree with the proceeding. she wouldn't vote for the judge, but she did acknowledge that I tried to be fair and I tried to be fair, and she gave me a hug rather than a handshake, and they're trying to ruin her life. So you got to understand the energy Tony in the Democratic Party is very nasty and destructive. Can you imagine voting for Judge Barrett if you're a Democrat? They'd run you out of office. Can you imagine saying no to their efforts to expand the court if they get the House, the Senate and the White House? So please understand that the energy in the Democratic Party uh, is, is very dangerous right now in terms of institutional safeguards.
0: Yeah, and that's even after you tested negative for the coronavirus. So uh, you, you weren't even contagious. <laughs>
1: Well no. <laughs> the point the point I'm trying to make is that Joe Biden's not in charge of the Democratic Party. Diane Feinstein is a progressive in every sense, but a very decent person, somebody you can find common yeah. ground with. She's old school. Well, old school is no longer accepted in the modern Democratic Party. And that's uh, alarming. It's not enough to sh- well, it's just not enough to agree on the issues you have to hate the people the left hates. They hate me. They hate my guts for Kavanaugh. And I dare help President Trump. So my opponent's going to raise $120 million, the most in the history of the United States Senate, to take me out. So if you can help me at LindseyGraham.com, I'd appreciate it. A little bit goes a long way. But the bottom line is they're not going to intimidate me. We're going to get her through. The people on the committee on the Republican side did a wonderful job. And what happened to Diane Feinstein should be a wake-up call for America. The people driving the Democratic agenda have no tolerance for anything different
0: you are you may, that is an excellent point to make Senator graham by the way, b- before I move on to that point, I do want to encourage our listeners look when you 've got those individuals who are leading out on critical issues like the courts but uh, Senator Graham, if I can add to it you 've also let out on a number of life issues you 've uh, held hearings Thank you 've held you 've let out on religious liberty issues i have testified before your committee on international religious liberty issues so you I mean, you've, you've let out on all those issues that we as conservatives care so much about. So your leadership is established. Um, frankly, speaking for myself, I want to see you in the United States Senate continue to do you. what you're doing. But this is this is a teaching moment because, as you said, the the courtesies that we normally extend to our fellow human beings are now. Considered out of bounds. The fact that uh, Diane Feinstein would 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 just commend you on conducting right. not, not that she agreed with you, but she commended you for the way you conducted the hearing, gave you a hug, a an act of of you said kindness. And she's being rejected. In fact, they're calling for her to have to step down as the major There's the the uh, uh, the the ranking member I on the the, the the committee. And this is so they're willing to, a picture
1: they're of willing where to, we are. They're willing, right? They're, they're willing to ruin her life. She agrees with the progressive principle. She's fought for them, but the unpardonable sin was to show me some kindness uh, for me to help Trump. This is just a weird time in politics. We can't let these people prevail. They cannot be allowed to run the House, the Senate, and the White House. They will pack the court. They will do away with the Senate filibuster. Uh, They will destroy every game we made in the pro-life cause. Uh, They will make the judges liberal, not conservative. Our foreign policy will be weak, not strong. Uh, They'll have open borders, free health care for illegal immigrants. So much is at stake. Help me, com. Pray for us. Help the president. Help us all.
0: If if politics uh, were a Venn diagram, there would be no overlap. Uh, there is nothing that is common, I think, between the two parties today. The ideologies are stand in exactly. stark contrast. Um, you will be handling Judge Barrett's nomination on the the confirmation on the floor of the Senate. What's what's our time frame look like? You said she'd be on the court next week.
1: OK, uh, so so to your listeners, you can kind of make a little calendar here. We're going to move uh, the motion to proceed on the nomination uh, tomorrow. Uh, Invoking cloture is bringing debate to conclusion, so we'll have a Sunday vote on cloture. You have 30 hours of debate once cloture ending debate is invoked, so you're looking at uh, around 7 o'clock, give or take a few hours Monday night for the final vote. We'll be in session all weekend. I'm not leaving town until she's on the court, and uh, this is a historic moment for conservative women. There's a place at the table for you. That's what uh, Judge Barrett represents, a place at the table for conservative women. So Sunday there will be a debate, a vote to end debate. We need every Republican voting with us that we can get. We need 51 votes to get her confirmed, and we will.
0: And then uh, after the Senate votes, the full Senate, I I assume that the president will be waiting to swear in.
1: Uh, Yeah, she can literally be on the court as early as uh, Tuesday. I mean, Monday night even. So just think about this, uh, Tony. I mean, three Supreme Court justices in his first term. Imagine four more years of President Trump in charge of the federal budget, a businessman with a tax code, business people running the government, not bureaucrats, conservative judges versus liberal judges, order at the border, not chaos, having the cops back, standing by Israel, standing up to the terrorists. Four more years of the president with a Republican Senate would be a true blessing to this country. So let's look at this as a positive opportunity to continue the gains we've made. And unfortunately, if we lose, they'll roll back most of it.
0: Yep, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I will add to the, the president's stellar picks has been the work that uh, Leader McConnell and yourself and uh, some others in the Senate Judiciary Committee have done to get those nominations through and onto the bench. So we commend you. Thank you, and uh, Senator Graham, thanks for joining us today on Washington Watch.
1: All right. Much to celebrate. God bless.
0: Thanks. All right. Senator Lindsey Graham, chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee. Again, uh, today, Amy Coney Barrett voted out of committee, and as you heard, we will be making our way through the full Senate uh, this weekend. And, uh, by the way, the program Washington Watch and the Family Research Council does not endorse or support or oppose candidates for office. We only support good ideas and those who carry them indirectly, of course. All right. When we come back, the Pope, what was he talking about? Is he endorsing same sex civil unions? Can he go? Can he make decisions that are counter to scriptural teaching? We're going to be talking about that next with Michael Warren Davis, editor of the Catholic publication Crisis Magazine. Don't go away. We're back with more after this. The
2: rapidly changing moral landscape of the 21st century presents a challenge for Christians committed to biblical sexual ethics. An uprising against morality has overturned centuries of norms concerning the family, marriage, and human sexuality. Secular culture is not the only challenger of Christian sexual ethics. Increasingly, theologically liberal churches and denominations are rejecting the church's historic teaching on marriage. As a result, Christians are facing increasing pressure to compromise the Bible's teaching on human sexuality. How should Christians who are committed to God's Word respond to these challenges? What does the Bible teach about sexuality? Family Research Council has a new publication that presents the biblical principles for human sexuality. It lays out a survey of culture, scripture, and church history that will help pastors and all Christians meet modern-day challenges to biblical sexuality with truth and love. To access this publication, visit frc.org slash humansexuality masculinity in
0: america has never been under attack the way it is today we've reached the point where the term itself is considered toxic or offensive to many the consistent message in our nation is that masculinity by nature is bad and is the root cause of any of the problems plaguing our society From his experience as a military combat officer and ordained minister of the gospel, Lieutenant General William Boykin has seen and dealt with firsthand the breakdown of leadership in our nation by the lack of godly men living lives of biblical purpose. In his latest book, Man to Man, Rediscovering Masculinity in a Challenging World, he addresses the essential elements of manhood as a provider and instructor a defender, a battle buddy, and a chaplain, and explains how to personally develop these traits and pass them to the next generation. Get your copy today of Man to Man, wherever books are sold. Hey, Matt. Hey, Hannah.
3: What's going on? Why so gloomy?
2: Well, I'm a little disappointed. I had a lot planned to do during the stay-at-home time, and I just didn't do it.
3: Oh, yeah? What did you have planned that you didn't get to do?
2: Well, I was actually hoping I'd finally be able to get time to do a regular Bible reading routine, and I started a couple of times. I just didn't stick with it.
3: Don't be too down on yourself. Starting a new routine can be hard, but one way to help is to join in with others and to have a good game plan. I think I have a good solution for you. Oh, yeah? Tony Perkins and FRC are doing a two-year study in the Word. They have it all mapped out. When did they start?
2: I I would be so far behind.
3: Oh, that's not a problem. You can literally jump in any time. There's a daily reading, just a couple of chapters a day, with questions to help you think about what you're reading.
2: Nice. Where can I find this?
3: Go to frc.org Bible, and you can get started. Where's that again? frc.org Bible. Got it.
2: Checking it out now.
0: Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Let me remind you, the website, PrayVoteStand.org. If you missed last night's special focus as we move toward this election, you can find it at PrayVoteStand.org, as well as lots of resources, platform comparison, accomplishments of the uh, the Trump administration, voter guides, all of that one-stop source of uh, all the information you need to prepare you for voting and you can share it with your friends again prayvote.stand.org. A right, recent reports about the Pope's comments on same-sex marriage uh, has uh or same-sex couples has been turning heads. You know, is he moving toward endorsing same-sex marriage? What could that mean for the Catholic faith? Michael Warren Davis a leading voice among Catholics wrote an op-ed entitled Where Francis Leads We Can't Follow. Davis is the editor of Crisis Magazine, a leading publication for Authentic Catholic Perspectives on Church, State, Arts, and Culture, Science, and Faith. Uh, Michael, welcome to Washington Watch.
4: Hello, sir. Thank you for having me.
0: Okay, so uh, what did the Pope say and what did he not say?
4: Well, here, uh, let me quote it very quickly because what we have, what we know, is fairly short. So the uh, a, a report from Catholic News Agency um, has, is quoting this, uh, this new biography that was premiered in Rome a couple of days ago. Uh, and so the text that they quote says, Homosexuals have a right to be a part of the family, they're children of God, and have a right to a family. Nobody should be thrown out or be made miserable because of it. What we have to create is a civil union law. That way they are legally covered. I stood up for that, end quote. Uh, so those are so various reports that have come out since that initial report from Catholic news agency have contested you know maybe the uh the the, word, the those words were edited so as to give the impression that pope francis was endorsing civil unions for same-sex couples when he wasn't really um but you know if you i've i've read all of those reports and the thing is it, it really sounds like by any stretch of the imagination he is saying that he would support uh, civil unions that would include same-sex couples. The thing is, um, this this uh, this documentary that these quotes are being taken from, even if they were edited somewhat deceptively um it was viewed by the screen by the vatican before it premiered um it was seen by the pope it was approved by the vatican and today uh the director of the documentary received a an award for the documentary in the vatican gardens so this is something that the vatican has gotten completely behind and has not issued any statement whatsoever uh Clarifying or confirming that the Pope does indeed support civil unions for same sex couples.
0: I mean we we saw this play out in the United States where this is kind of the the first step moving toward same sex marriage. I mean that that was the progression that we saw here in the States. But the the point here is the the, the, the not the individuals. I mean everyone understands that well let me rephrase that as as Christians, we love everyone. We're commanded to love everyone, and we desire everyone to walk in the truth, so that they'll have freedom in the the abundant life that Jesus talked about. But we can't affirm everything as equal, and this would suggest that we're that the Pope would be moving toward affirming a relationship that is contrary to Scripture.
4: That's right, some people have said that you know the Pope could be talking about civil unions in a way that would include friends, you know platonic friendships uh even perhaps brothers and sisters who uh who live together um but you know have never married, so that they can be mutual beneficiaries of each other's wills and each other's health care proxies and things like that um a, of course, as you know very well, uh, you can designate whoever you want as your health care proxy or the heir to your will, or you don't need a special union for that. But more importantly, um, no one was talking about civil unions before same-sex couples began demanding the right to marry, and civil unions emerged as a kind of compromise or what some people thought was a compromise right. um, between, between uh, no, nothing at all and full-on marriage. And, of course, no one ever – they're not going to stop it civil unions they never do and they never have um but the, so but the, the concept of civil unions is absolutely uh you know it, it is entailed in in homosexuality and uh and the, the problem as you as you alluded to the problem here is that um the, the, the perennial teaching of the catholic church uh, is that the civil authorities cannot sanction or enable any sinful behavior um obviously, you know if a government uh, permits the sale of pornography, that doesn't make the government itself invalid, but Catholics can't ad- actively advocate for something that would give some sort of legal sanction to uh accident it considers intrinsically immoral. Homosexuality is one of those. And so uh, you know, the Pope, had, if th- if this is true, if the Vatican doesn't come out and say, of course, Pope Francis never meant to give the impression, et cetera, et cetera, unless they do that, then I, I think the Pope has com- has committed a very serious error and is going to lead other Catholics into, again, a very grave error.
0: So what happens from here, Michael? I mean, obviously, there are many Catholics who say, wait a minute, this is not the teaching of Scripture. It's not the teaching, the historic teaching of the church. We can't go here.
4: Yes, that's right. Well, uh, Bishop Tyler of Strickland, who's one of the most popular uh, conservative bishops in the United States, came out against what Pope Francis said. Um, Cardinal Burke has said, you know, if this is true, then it's, again, a very great error, contrary to church teaching. um, Bishop Tobin uh, of Connecticut, uh, Rhode Island, rather, um has done likewise, so there has been not only conservative Catholic commentators like myself um but very powerful members of the American Catholic hierarchy have immediately voiced their opposition to to this uh, to this inversion uh, which is in a way it's very good news it shows that there are going to be um pastors who are who are standing up and speaking out on behalf of the of the authentic teachings of the christian faith um, as to what normal Catholics do gosh. Uh, I mean, my wife and I fast and abstain from meat every Wednesday for the sake of the Holy Father, for the increase in his wisdom, uh, whatever God, <laughs> however God chooses to interpret that. So that's uh, that's what I recommend. But I mean, the most important thing that people can do um, is just.
0: Yeah, Michael, we're we're up against a break out, out of time. I want to thank you uh for joining us, we're obviously going to follow this very, very closely. Look forward to talking with you uh, again as we get greater clarity. Hopefully, the uh, the Vatican does correct this, and yeah, we continue.
4: absolutely. No, I appreciate you having me on.
0: Yeah, thanks so much, Michael. Great to hear from you, and and, and I hope that you know others like Michael will speak out with clarity on uh, on this issue. All right, coming up next, ten twenty-five. Hebrews 1025, do not forsake the assemblings of yourself together. Well, there's an initiative that sprung out of Freedom Sunday, 1025 initiative. Pastor Jack Hibbs of Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills is here next with an update. Don't go away.
5: Oh man. What's wrong? I just missed Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, and our congressman was going to be on the show today. Oh, that's not a big deal. What do you mean? Well, you can always catch the replay of the day's show. How's that? With the Stand Firm app. Yeah? Yep. You can catch that day's program and so much more. You can contact your elected officials on campaigns and policies that are important to you with the Take Action tab. You can listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins live and play previous episodes while conveniently going about your day. You can access the Washington Update, informative blogs, tweets, and critical campaigns on the main feed so you can stay up to date on local and national news. Wow. I'd definitely use that. How do you find the app? Just visit frc.org slash app and download or search Stand Firm in the App Store.
2: Okay, that's Stand Firm.
5: Yep, Stand Firm.
2: How do you know all this?
5: Because I'm a SageCon, but that's another story. Huh? In this important season for our nation, it is imperative for Christians to pray. While we have a responsibility to vote for biblical values and stand for truth, our priority should always be to seek the Lord first. Each week until the election, FRC and FRC Action will host a special Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to equip you to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth. We'll have experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders join us for these half-hour programs that will help you see through the fog that's been created by the biased lenses of the mainstream media. While you're there, be sure to take the 2020 Pray, Vote, Stand challenge and make a commitment to pray for our nation, vote biblical values and stand for truth during this 2020 election season to watch the broadcasts and to take the 2020 pray vote stand challenge visit prayvotestand.org that's prayvotestand.org
0: Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. A few Sundays ago, uh, we had the pleasure of hosting Freedom Sunday at Calvary Chapel, Tino Hills in California. By the way, um, that's going to be airing on uh, a number of stations across the country. In fact, Daystar will be airing, re-airing a 90-minute uh, version of the Freedom Sunday on October the 31st. I encourage you... Um, And we'll give you more information because it's uh, it's really important. This is really good stuff. And I want to make sure that everyone gets a chance to uh, to see this. It was impactful. I went back and watched it after the fact. It's kind of hard to watch these things when you're in the middle of it. Went back and watched it. And the information was astounding. Um, and, And so if you were like undecided, you would be decided. If you were like lacking enthusiasm, you would have enthusiasm. Well, our host pastor was uh, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills. And uh, part of the challenge that he issued was the 1025 challenge, the 1025 initiative, which was to open churches on 1025, which is this coming Sunday. Uh, From that sprang a national billboard campaign to open these churches, but but there's been some resistance. Joining me now to talk about it, Pastor Jack Hibbs from Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills. Jack, welcome to the program.
6: Well, Tony, thank you. It's always great. So, uh, yeah, we've got some resistance going on.
0: Well, tell us about it. I know you've got some resistance to that. Plus, while I was out there, you're doing under the law. You're allowed to uh, to gather baskets at harvest time, uh, and g- g- uh, gather uh, ballots, I should say, at harvest time. <laughs> And um, but everybody's able to do that, but churches, for summary, churches, gun stores, and the GOP, according to the attorney general out there.
6: Well, you're right. We probably need to be a little bit more clear. If you are a a, a church that's leaning Democrat, you're okay to do that. If you are some other uh, liberal organization, you can do it, and it's being done, by the way. And in fact, if you're a Democrat candidate, like several in Orange County, you can do it. But if you're a Republican uh, candidate, you can't do it. Uh, or if you're a church that's conservative, you can't do it. Now, when I say you can't do it, Tony, I'm being sarcastic. It's the law now. You, We can do it. We have constitutional attorneys that, that have backed us up. We are not only well within the law, uh, it's been commented, Tony, that we are – really setting a a standard. So what that means is citizens from a four-county region of Southern California can bring their ballots on Sundays to our church. They are uh, eyes full on. Uh, Ballot goes by that voter to the box. It goes into a box. It is recorded by a a, a designated uh, individual which signs it. That's a locked steel box, Tony, that each week... Uh, makes its way to the county board, uh, county registrar's office where those ballots are unloaded. And, uh, by the way, we've received high praise from those registrar's offices. And uh, it's quite an example. Here's the problem, Tony. In Southern California, anyway, uh, the Democrats have invented this ballot-harvesting idea, but in this election, the conservatives are taking advantage of it more than the other team, and they don't like it up in Sacramento.
0: That's right. They don't like you taking tools out of their toolbox and using them against them, and that's what this is all about. But, you know, it's the law. It's allowed for, and you're doing it, and I've been there and watched it, and I think it's amazing, and I I think it's great to use their own devices against them. Now, let's talk about the Billboard campaign that has run into some resistance.
6: Yeah, right. Uh, of course, you you made mention in your introduction, exactly right. On that wonderful Sunday event that we hosted with you, Tony, the cry went out to American pastors across the states open up on October 25th in alignment with Hebrews 10:25, where the scripture tells us they're never to forsake the assembling together, but in fact, do it all the more as we see the day approaching. And so we put out a national and by the
0: way that wasn't the day wasn't the election day but that's just as important too. Yeah. Um, yep. It was the day and as we see things getting more intense all the more reason the churches should be meeting.
6: Exactly right. And so yeah, we did a national uh, uh billboard campaign uh and it's gone very well except uh we had a digital ba- uh, uh billboard in Times Square, New York City that just got yanked because Times Square management uh received complaints they pressured Lamar advertising they pulled it and uh now we've got uh our friends at ADF looking into this regarding the first amendment violation but it simply said tony open up your church on october uh 25th and uh people complained about that which tells you the spiritual yes. battle we're in it, it's yeah. it, there's no gray zone anymore, everybody. It's, it's clear it's black and white. Somebody saw that. They, they took an offense to the church opening up. That tells us a lot about what kind of battle we're in right now.
0: That's right. All the more reason we need to open up uh, because yeah. the, enemy, the enemy of our souls would love nothing more than the churches of America to stay silent, to stay closed, and to uh, allow the fork forces of darkness to have their way in America, which, by the way, for the last six months, I think that's why. The, yeah. that we've had the lawlessness and the chaos on our streets. Well, Pastor Jack Hibbs, as always, great to have you on the program, but I'm so grateful you keep ADF busy uh, <laughs> because you're always doing the things that should be done by the pastors of America.
6: Tony, thank you.
0: All right. Uh, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Senior Pastor, Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, dear brother and a a patriot and, and a model. Uh, he loves his people, shepherds them wisely, but isn't afraid to stand up for what is true and what is right. I pray to God that we'll have more pastors like that across America. All right. Speaking of churches and religious institutions being shut down, Colorado, the governor of Colorado issued a cease and desist order to our good friend, pastor Womack after the general and I were out there back in July. Well, Matt Staver, with Liberty Council is representing him. He's here next.
7: Are you looking to grow closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ and in your knowledge of God's word? Family Research Council has a three-part series titled Three Ways to Read the Bible. This series shares helpful ways to be encouraged and directed by God's truth by observing the text of the Bible and applying it to your life. There's no better time than now to get to know God through his word by looking into the Bible to see what it says about itself, God, and humanity. There's no better time than now to begin devoting time to the Lord and to seek out his meaning for you. This blog series is a great primer on opening your eyes and heart to him through the Bible amid the toils and troubles of today. Check out this helpful resource and learn how to read the Bible with not just your eyes, but with your heart and mind as well. To learn more, visit frcblog.com ways to read. That's frcblog.com ways to read.
3: Since the 1973 Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision, Congress and many states have taken various actions to stop taxpayer dollars from funding abortions or the abortion industry. As early as 1976, Congressman Henry Hyde led the effort to ban federal funding for abortions. The federal Hyde Amendment, named after him, established the principle that abortion is not health care and therefore taxpayers should not be forced to fund abortions. Despite these efforts, the abortion industry still receives millions of dollars each year in taxpayer money. In 2019, Planned Parenthood, America's largest abortion provider, received $616.8 million in government funds. Family Research Council's newly updated Pro-Life Map tracks how your state has taken action to stop taxpayer funding of abortions. Go to frc.org slash maps to see where your state stands in the fight for life. That's frc.org slash maps.
2: The rapidly changing moral landscape of the 21st century presents a challenge for Christians committed to biblical sexual ethics. An uprising against morality has overturned centuries of norms concerning the family, marriage, and human sexuality. Secular culture is not the only challenger of Christian sexual ethics. Increasingly, theologically liberal churches and denominations are rejecting the church's historic teaching on marriage. As a result, Christians are facing increasing pressure to compromise the Bible's teaching on human sexuality. How should Christians who are committed to God's word respond to these challenges? What does the Bible teach about sexuality? Family Research Council has a new publication that presents the biblical principles for human sexuality. It lays out a survey of culture, scripture, and church history that will help pastors and all Christians meet modern day challenges to biblical sexuality with truth and love. To access this publication, visit frc.org slash human sexuality.
0: This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So glad that you are with us. The website is TonyPerkins.com. If you're on Twitter, it is uh, at T Perkins. Same with uh, Parler. Let me again remind you of the website has lots of election-related resources. PrayVoteStand.org. It also has the challenge. If you haven't taken the challenge, you can take it right there. Comparison of the two-party platforms could not be more of a contrast it's right there these are things you can share with your friends as we were talking yesterday with george barna there are still some christians that are just kind of you know apathetical um just kind of on the fence because they they don't really know what this administration has done they don't really know what the two parties stand for they haven't done their homework but they're certainly not going to be told by the media so we've done it for you it's very easy you can share it with your friends. Again, that website PrayVoteStand.org. dot All right. As I mentioned, going into uh, coming out of that last segment, back in July, uh, Andrew Womack Ministries, Cars Bible College, had invited uh, General Boykin, and myself, and some others to come out there and speak, and they recorded it. And they actually it's aired across the country. Just kind of an election focus. It was a hard hitting, very informative session. Well, the following morning, uh, the Governor of Colorado, his office, issued a cease and desist order to Andrew Womack Ministries saying you can't meet your, you've got too many people there. Well, the reality is there's a double standard. Fortunately, uh, Liberty Council, headed up by our friend Matt Staver, came to the aid and rescue of, the, of, of Andrew and others. And as a result, last week, U.S. District Court Judge ruled in favor of two Colorado churches, removing extreme restrictions against churches in the state of Colorado that were not being applied to other entities. Joining us now to talk more about this is uh, the chairman of Liberty Council and the founder, Matt Staver. Matt, welcome back to Washington Watch.
8: Thank you, Tony. It's a pleasure to be with you.
0: Well, you've got to be pleased with uh, this ruling from a district court judge appointed by Donald Trump.
8: Yes, and you know, let me uh, key off on that because we're working in 44 states. We've been working with about 2,000 or so pastors and churches, and we're litigating in a number of states. And so we're very familiar with all the different cases that are out there. Every single case that represents a church against these unconstitutional discriminatory orders, wherever it may be in the country, every church that has filed that is before in a uh, a Trump appointee has ultimately won with a very solid written opinion. Every case that has gone before an Obama-appointed judge, except for one that I know of, has lost. And the one that I know of, we it was ours, we lost, but we appealed it and got a three-to-zero decision reversal at the Court of Appeals, so the Obama-appointed judge had no place to move other than grant the injunction because the court of appeals told him to do so so that gets you right back to where you started at this program before you introduced me about elections elections do matter and we see it on the ground a stark difference between judges that follow the rule of law the constitution and believe that words matter versus activist judges and this is a clear example of a trump appointee who really got it right on the constitution and said that these unconstitutional limitations applied to churches that are not imposed on similar non-religious meetings are unconstitutional under the First Amendment.
0: And we're talking about our most fundamental freedoms. I mean, this is our first freedom, the freedom of religion, and it really hangs in the balance based upon who's sitting on the bench
8: Yes, I was talking to my wife last night uh, as we were talking about this particular opinion. I said, you know, it's really a shame how the judiciary has been so messed up and that it depends upon whether you have an activist judge or a constitutionalist judge. It really should not matter uh, their particular individual views. It should only matter what the words of the Constitution or the statute say. It's a fairly simple thing. And on these cases, with regards to the churches, I mean, the Supreme Court said way back in 1947 in the Everson case, it said this, and it's almost a verbatim quote, that neither the state nor the federal government can force someone to attend church or stay away from church against their will. That's as far back as 1947. That's, you can't get any more clear than that. And yet that's in fact what's happening in these unconstitutional orders.
0: What, what strikes me um... Matt, about these cases is the blatant discrimination that governors like the governor of Colorado, Nevada, uh, California, and others engage in where they have a double standard and they treat churches and religious entities much different than the secular organizations of similar size and purpose.
8: Yes, and you can even see that internal because we say that there's two forms of discrimination, internal and external. Internally, believe it or not, Every one of these COVID restrictions allow the churches to conduct non-religious meetings inside their church with no limitation. There's not one that doesn't do that. You can feed people. You can shelter people. You can give them non-religious counseling, how to find a job, how to apply for certain kinds of benefits, uh, substance abuse, any non-religious kind of meeting. There's no limitation. But as soon as you transition to a religious meeting, worship, communion, prayer, praise and worship, Bible study, that becomes a religious meeting in the same building with some of the same or most of all the same people. And now the restrictions kick in. And then when you look outside the church, there's the discrimination. For example, uh, in Colorado, what the court said is there are big uh, Amazon warehouses where people work there for eight plus hours a day, and there's no numerical limitation. There's no numerical limitation on retail and some of these other places as well. And he also said, with regards to the mask, because the church has actually uh, said that the mask interfered with the free exercise of religion, there's exemptions for the mask. For example, everybody knows this, you can go to a restaurant. You may have to wear a mask when you walk in, but as soon as you sit down, you can stay there for hours and uh, sip water or eat a steak. You can sing happy birthday to one another, and no one seated is wearing a mask. But in Colorado, you have to wear a mask even if you're going to go inside, socially distanced, thousand-seat sanctuary with a smaller group of people and – far apart from one another you have to wear a mask so whether it's the numerical restriction or any other kind of restriction it's very clear to see that places of worship houses of worship religious meetings are clearly treated as second class and they're discriminated against when you compare them either internally what they can do non-religiously for meetings or externally what other non-religious similar gatherings are allowed to do
0: Well, uh, Matt, when I was there at uh, Andrew Womack's place in July that apparently triggered this action by the government there, I got on a plane to fly across the country, a plane that every seat was filled uh, for nearly three hours sitting elbow to elbow. Uh, and when we were at this venue, as you mentioned, it's I know it's it's probably a couple thousand people. I don't know. It's a large yeah, it's place. Yeah,
8: 3,100 seats, yeah.
0: And they were spaced out. We had about 900 people there. They were all spaced out. That you can't do, but you can sit elbow to elbow for three hours in a plane, and that's okay. Something's wrong with I know. that know.
8: I've, I've seen the exact same thing uh, all over the country. The planes are packed. But this is a 3,100-seat sanctuary. It doesn't really matter if it's a 10,000-seat sanctuary. There's these small numerical numbers that are allowed because it's a place of worship. That makes absolutely no sense. If you have a, a sanctuary that seats only 200 people versus a sanctuary that that seats 20,000 people if you have one that big, you still have these small numerical limits. But when you get over to Amazon and Walmart and all the big box centers and even the abortion clinics, you can jam them with no problem. You can put as many people in the liquor stores with no problem. They say that those are essential because if they – If they uh, do any numerical limitation on the liquor stores, well, my, it it would hurt the public health. So they prefer one spirit over the other spirit, and it's very clear that their target is the church. But, you know, in any kind of Marxist ideology or regime, it's always the church being the first target. And I think that's what we're seeing. There's a pattern. These are Democrat governors who are radically pro-abortion, and every one of them that have these restrictions discriminate against places of worship, and they publicly support the riots and protests.
0: Yeah, no question. And I think some of these uh, Democratic governors prefer the liquid spirit to the living spirit. So there's no question about that. Matt, thanks so much for joining us. And thank you for the great work that Liberty Council does.
8: Oh, well, thank you, Tony, for all the work you're doing as well.
0: Matt Staver, founder and chairman of Liberty Council. And, folks, if you have the opportunity to support ministries like ADF, Liberty Council, First Liberty, Pacific um, Justice Institute, you know, support them. They do great work, even more so as religious freedom comes under attack. All right, I mentioned this at the top of the program, but rack up another pro-life victory for the Trump administration. It's actually getting kind of hard to keep up with them. Uh, although we we try very hard. And guess what? That resource is also available for you at PrayVoteStand.org. We're keeping track of everything they've done. And here to tell us about the latest significant gain globally on the issue of life is the Senior Vice President for Policy and Government, Travis Weber. Travis, welcome back. Thank you, Tony. Okay, uh, so tell our listeners uh, what happened today.
9: Yes, so a document known as the... Geneva consensus declaration promoting women's health and strengthening the family was signed by a number of governments from around the world, including the United States, which was a co-sponsor of this declaration, along with several other countries. Basically, the way to think about this is this document affirms the right to life and right to family internationally. It promotes better health for women, preservation of life in the family, and protects national sovereignty regarding these matters. So uh, core issues of importance to FRC human life and dignity, protecting the unborn and everything that goes along with it and protecting the family. Internationally, we know these these rights and the interests are under attack. So this is really to be applauded how the United States has taken a lead to elevate life and family internationally, join with like-minded nations on these matters who have come alongside of us and signed this Geneva Declaration today. And, um, Uh, This is it's a big step for for not just a symbolic elevation of these issues, but but towards a furtherance in policy internationally setting the stage for years to come.
0: Yeah, 31 uh, governments, uh, nations uh, joining with the United States on this. But the, 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 the significant I mean, it's significant on many fronts, but one of the most significant aspects of this is that this is hundred and eighty degrees from what the previous administration did i met with you know over the course of the uh, the obama administration met with a a number of ambassadors and leaders from other countries who were complaining about the fact that their arms were being twisted by the obama administration and hillary clinton Uh, John Kerry, to promote abortion in their policies in order to get U.S. foreign aid. So this is a sea change when it comes to our foreign policy, embracing life and promoting life where it has been promoting abortion.
9: Yeah, Tony, um, you know, now we have the Trump administration. President Trump's been very clear with his his policy on protecting human life. So. Logically um, and and something to be, and something to be celebrated. That policy has been implemented internationally, and if we've seen any resistance internationally, it's due to elements who are trying to obstruct the president's agenda on this issue. Uh, but thankfully, the the administration and the pro life advocates President Trump's appointed have continued to move the ball down the field on life, and and now the arm twisting is coming. From those obstructionists, sometimes career bureaucrats or others, who don't want to see uh, the president, who's been elected, uh, advance his pro-life agenda, but but it's still happening, and we have to make sure people understand and know about it.
0: Yeah, and 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 again, why this is significant for the sake of promoting life and around the the world and allowing states, uh, allowing countries not to be bullied by the United Nations and oftentimes governments like the United States that promote that agenda is to allow them and many countries are religious in their orientation and do recognize the sanctity of human life and to to leave them alone and allow them to to have those policies in place but it's it just it's a huge change from what we've had before and this administration it's not just talk it's not just uh, where we'd like to do this, but we run into opposition. No, this administration follows through, unlike any I've ever seen before. So there, you you have a document, as I mentioned earlier, that has list that lists all of these accomplishments.
9: Tony, I'm looking at right now 12 to 13 pages of of doc uh, of accomplishments that the Trump administration has uh, completed. On matters of life, family, and religious freedom, and we have even broken these out into into the areas of life, domestic religious freedom, family, and international religious freedom, and all of these are available on prayvotestand.org. If you go to the Trump administration accomplishments section, but it's really significant because it's it's laid out in an easy to understand format. We can see what the administration's done on life. The Geneva Declaration today is only one uh, instance; another inst- another good instance of them advancing a pro-life yeah. agenda, but we can see this uh, carried forth in the areas of family, religious liberty, and international religious freedom as well. All of these areas, they have we have pages and pages of accomplishments here. Folks can see all these for themselves if they go to PrevostStand.org and click on Trump Administration Accomplishments.
0: All right, Travis Weber, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate the update. Thanks, Tony. Thank you. And uh, and by the way, if you can't get to the website, you can text me the word actions to 53445 53445, the word actions, and I'll get you a link to that same document. Either text me actions to 53445 or go to prayvotestand.org. All right, out of time, unfortunately. Wow, that hour flew by. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, When you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing.